Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Bold Boundaries. I'm excited for this week. We are talking about communication, which is at the heart of setting boundaries, because if we can't properly communicate what we want to say in the way that we need to say it, we're not going to get an end result that we're hoping for. So today we're going to talk about five tips for healthy communication. And the last one is like mind blown can drastically alter how you communicate or how you receive communication. And so listen to them for sure. It's going to really, really help you, uh, whether it's business, personal, whatever it is. I do want to say a few things before we get started. One, don't forget you can watch this on YouTube. The link is in the bio if you are listening to the podcast. If you prefer video, you can find us on there. The channel is called Unlearning University. Two, I am not a medical professional. I am not a doctor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, any of those things. I'm not a licensed therapist. This is a podcast of my personal experiences, sharing my what I've done, what I've learned, other people's stories. If you are seeking professional help, I recommend you find a doctor or licensed therapist or psychologist that can help you. And last but not least, I realize that I haven't really talked to you guys about what it is that I do outside of the podcast, which is my work as a boundaries coach. So really quickly, what a boundaries coach is, is we sit and listen to you for one, which is a great feeling. (laughs) But two, I sit and I listen to you and we sit there and we talk about what kind of bound, what boundaries would look like for you to address the situations you're having a hard time with. And then I co-create with you what those boundaries are. We talk about what your hard boundaries are, what are your soft boundaries, what are your expectations, what are your needs, and then we help you, we together as a team, co-create a script essentially to help you set those boundaries, communicate them properly using some of the tools we're going to talk about today, and then help you keep and maintain those boundaries. And then also we kind of get to dream a little of what to do in in place of all that stuff, in place of the stress, if you set this healthy boundary, it usually opens up some space. And so what do we put in that space? Maybe we put nothing for a while because you need a break. Maybe you put something you've been dreaming about, things like that. But this whole process comes together to really help you build a healthier, happier life. And that's what I do as a boundaries coach. So if any of that sounds intriguing to you, you're curious, you want to have a free consultation, You can visit my website. The link is in the description, whether you're on YouTube or listening to the podcast. It's unlearninguniversity.org. You can find more information there. Send me a DM on Instagram, whatever you need. If you're curious, reach out. I'd love to talk to you about it and see if it's right for you. That being said, let's get to the episode because these five tips for communication are going to change your life. Number five, especially. But let's get to the episode. Hey there, welcome to Bold Boundaries with me, Diana Terry. I'm a boundaries coach, mother, wife, entrepreneur, and founder of Unlearning University, a space dedicated to unlearning the toxic behaviors, stereotypes, and systems that hold you back from living a truly happy life. So for me, understanding and setting boundaries has literally changed my life. I went from being overworked overwhelmed and unhappy to balanced and thriving simply by learning how and when to 
to set healthy boundaries. And now I'm sharing everything I've learned with you here to help you set boundaries and live a happier, more authentic life. Let's start the conversation. All right, so diving straight in. When it comes to communication, it's important to know when to communicate. So maybe you've all done this. Maybe you haven't. I know I have a lot. I ruminate on things. And I talked about this in a previous episode of what rumination is. Rumination is where I sit there and I play it over and over in my head, or I have the conversation 15 times in my head before I have it with someone else. You ever have those shower arguments, you and the shampoo going at it? For sure. So I get to the point where I've had this conversation so many times, I have decided what to say. Mm, I don't want to say that. That doesn't get my point across. Oh, I've thought about this. Here I am six hours later, ready to have this conversation. And I go up to the person I need to communicate with and I word vomit. And I say, okay, I'm ready to talk about this. Here's what I think. Here's my reasons why. Here's my supporting arguments, blah, 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 blah. And then I sit there and I expect them to, one, receive that well, and two, have that conversation with me, right? Because I'm prepared. But what we're not thinking about when we do that is that that person's not on your level. They may not have been ruminating on this problem for six hours. Maybe they've been ruminating on their financial situation or an issue they're having or struggling with parenting. They are not ready to receive your well put together argument because you haven't set this conversation up for success. So the way to fix this one is stop assuming they're ready to receive just because you're ready to communicate and vice versa. Put yourself in that situation. If someone came and word vomited on you while you're in the middle of doing your budget in your head and trying to write a text to a friend, you have zero capacity to engage in that conversation in a well, way that one, you feel well represented, two, have, have thought through what you want to say in that argument. So often we feel the pressure to communicate. And this is, this is a, a digital age problem more so now because this pressure to, if I get a text, I have to respond immediately. No, you fucking don't. No, you don't. Because before text messages existed, before email existed, you understood. You called someone's landline. You, If they're not there, you left a message and they called you back when they had the time because we are not obligated to show up just because someone else is ready to be there. That's something I've had to learn is that it's okay if I don't respond to every message immediately because if I do that, I am attached to my phone 24-7. That sucks. We're actually in the middle of a tech-free month. So sans work in school, we are not doing any tech with the kids or without the kids. We're not watching movies. We're not watching shows. It's not on in the background. We bought a bunch of board games and a bunch of books, and that's what we're doing. And we're connecting, and we're going outside. And anyways, I'll share more about that after it's over. We'll see how it goes. Um, but my point is, you can't assume that someone else is ready to receive what you have well thought out and put together and ready to, to give. So what I do, if it's something big, like say you're having to like redo your budget with someone, I go to my wife and I say, hey, I'd really like to discuss our finances uh, to prepare for the move or this big purchase we want to buy. Maybe we need a new car, whatever. I'd love to talk about that. When do you have a free time where we can both dedicate to this conversation? Because we know it's not going to be a short one, right? 
budget talk, big moves, big dreams, things like that. They're, they're not short conversations. And if you want that conversation to go well and be clearly communicated, you both need to have the space to be present in it. And then we schedule that conversation and then we can have that conversation because we're both ready to show up. If it's a small thing, like in the morning, I'll say, hey, babe, do you have a f- when do you have a few minutes to talk about the schedule today? Because we're picking up our daughter's friends and Grayson has drum lessons and I have a mentor thing, all this stuff. When do you have a few minutes? And so she says, OK, well, let me finish making Grayson's lunch and then we can chat. Great. So we've prepped the conversation. So now when we have those few minutes to say, okay, I'm going to go here, you're going to go there, we're both fully in the conversation and the communication lines are clear. So number one is figure out when to communicate and set that up for success. Number two is understanding, not mirroring. So if you've ever heard of mirroring, it's a um, it's kind of a sleazy sales technique that people use or a manipulation technique that people use where you say something and then they just mirror back to you what you're saying to the point where you're like, oh, this person gets me. They're like me. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not supporting mirroring in any way. I'm not trying to understand manipulation or anything like that. What I'm talking about is, do you have those situations where, okay, say I'm talking to my partner and I say, you know, I've been really struggling lately. I feel like we're not connecting as much. I feel like I need some more of your time. Um, you know, you've been working a lot. Maybe maybe you could take a little time off or, you know, not work overtime this week and we could connect. And then your partner turns around and says, so let me get this straight. You want me to quit my job so that we can just hang out all day and you expect the bills to get paid? And you're like, whoa, what the fuck? That's not what I said. That's not what I said. So I'm not talking about mirroring. What I am saying is when you're in these conversations, what I like to do, and this is what I learned through my coaching training, is when someone shares something with me and you're listening, step one is to listen intently. Don't listen to respond. Don't don't be half listening and going, well, what am I going to say back to get my point across? No, shut the fuck up, open your mind and listen. Okay. Then when they say, you know, if I, if I say to my partner or she says to me, I really feel like I need to connect with you more. When do you have time this week? What I can say back is what I hear you saying is that you're feeling left out or feeling detached and you need more of my time. And she says, yes. And I go, okay, well, this week is really busy for me, but I can do A, B, and C. And then you can communicate that way. Or you can communicate if, if you're constantly going back and forth and there's a lot of the, that's not what I said, you're twisting my words. If that's, if you recognize that in a lot of your conversations, this is when you need to get specific. So if I say to my partner, now I'm asking her, I say, listen, you've been working a lot lately and I feel a little disconnected. I would like a little bit of your time. I see on the calendar that Tuesday morning, you don't have anything till 11 o'clock. What if we were to spend 9 to 10 a.m. together after we drop the kids off and have coffee and just talk by the fire pit. Would you like to do that with me so that we can feel connected and it won't impact your schedule? It's very hard for them to not hear that properly. And again, if you're both employing this technique of understanding, they can say, what I'm hearing you say is you want me to take an hour off on Tuesday to spend time with you. And you can say, yes, that's what I'm asking for. That is a much different conversation than 
I need more time with you. You're telling me to quit my job. That's not what I said. You always twist my words. It just goes down a rabbit hole so fast. So if we take the time to slow down and understand what's being said before we're responding and going back and forth, and yes, it takes more time. It takes time to repeat what they're saying and saying, is this what you meant? Oftentimes my wife will say things in our conversations and then when I repeat back, I say, okay, I'm hearing you say A, B, and C. She goes, that's not what I meant. I was like, totally fine. Which part didn't you mean? Like, which part wasn't what you meant to say? And then we we get to that, the root of that. And she's like, no, I actually meant to say this, this, and this. And I go, okay, I hear you. Now that we know what each other is saying, let's find a solution together. So step two is understanding what the other person is saying by repeating, by reiterating, by getting to the root of things. Step three is the follow-up, my friends. Now, I use this in business, and I'm sure any of you do. Anybody who's ever had an issue with HR knows that you always follow up every conversation or in-person meeting with an email. And that email just is a quick little summary of what was said. So there is now a record of what was said. Now, I'm not saying to build a list in your head against your partner or boss or whatever of the, the checklist of what I do and what you didn't do. I hate those fucking checklists. They don't do you any good. They don't do anybody any good. So unless you're doing something for the intention of doing it well for yourself and for that person, you don't need a checklist. Um, what I am saying is follow up to make sure that what you guys said in that moment is still what you mean. Because even in those moments with you and you have clear listening, clear communication, you're both on the same page, you may agree to something and then you go to look at your calendar that week and you said, oh, I said I'd have coffee on Tuesday. I completely forgot I have a, an 8 a.m. call. So following up the next day or later that night and say, hey, I just wanted to thank you. Start with gratitude. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to communicate with me about that thing. I'm really glad we were able to get on the same page and agree that we're going to have coffee next Tuesday. If something has come up, you can say, oh, I'm really glad we communicated too. I didn't realize that I actually have a meeting that day. Can we move it to Thursday? Problem solved. No, no big blowout or anything like that. Um, you can do this in writing if that's how you prefer to communicate. Um, I have said numerous times in setting healthy boundaries that an email follow-up or a text follow-up is really good because not everybody communicates the same way. Not everybody retains information the same way. So maybe a written and a verbal is a good way to communicate. So if this means you text the person the next day and say, thank you so much for taking the time to communicate with me. I'm so glad we came to the resolution of A, B, and C. And then they say, yeah, great, me too, thank you. Or, hey, I forgot I have an issue. Can we do this instead? So that follow-up and starting that follow-up with gratitude creates this positive connotation of how you guys communicated in that sense so that when something else comes up, the next time there's a confrontation or a situation to be discussed, you have this positive memory of how you communicated last time and how simple it was and how how you were remembering this and, and you guys showed gratitude for each other. And there's just such a positive connotation to it. So that follow-up is really important, whether it's a verbal follow-up, a written follow-up, um, whichever does work best for your relationship, whichever one it may be. Um, I keep saying, um, step four 
is accountability. Now, this does not mean you have to, I'm not talking about like a weight loss accountability partner where they text you every day and say, did you go for your run run or jog or whatever? But what I am saying is when you're in that communication, set up a date to revisit this. And, and so when you are in the middle of trying to give your partner more time and attention, you may think you're, it's great. You may think it's enough and they may go, this is great, but I'm feeling more, or I'm feeling this isn't what I needed. I don't think things like that. So in this example of, you know, partners, one's working a lot and the other needs more time. You could say, okay, on Tuesday, we'll have coffee. Maybe we can make it a standing Tuesday. And then in a month, can we revisit this and see how you're feeling? And if it's having a detrimental impact on my work, or if you're feeling like you're getting the connection you need, it just gives you not an, not an end date, but you know how they say goals aren't goals unless they're measurable. It's that mindset where you say, okay, I want to check back in. And, and if this is of enough value to you to have this conversation and to adjust your schedules and do that, then it has enough value in your life to follow up on it, to see how it's doing, to measure its impact. And this can be with anything, with work, personal, all of that. In that month, say, okay, we're going to have coffee every Tuesday to connect. And, and in a month, we'll check in and see how it's going. And in that month, one thing to remember is don't set your up for your partner or this person up for failure by saying, okay, we had a talk once and now I'm going to sit and wait and I'm going to see if they do what they say they're going to do. Now, I know there are special circumstances where trust has been broken or people say one thing and do another. Every circumstance is its own. So I'm not saying this is a blanketed solution to these things. But what I am saying is, set, tell them a reminder, make it part of the conversation. If you know that they are so swamped at work and their brain hardly has a time to take a chance or take a minute to relax, maybe a little thing of, do you have a shared calendar that you can communicate with that through? So when they check their calendar in the morning, their coffee's on the calendar or write them a post-it the day before and say, I'm so excited for our coffee date. I love you. But sitting back and waiting for them to show up or fail as a test of whether or not they're dedicated is not a positive way to show up in a relationship. If you're sitting there testing people by, well, you've said it once and you know they struggle with remembering their calendar or other things, so I'm going to make sure that they, if they don't follow up or remember, then they don't love me. Those are all assumptions. That's not radical acceptance for the truth or the situation as it is. So set your partner up for success in every way you can. Set your kids up for success. Set your boss up for success. Oh, just, you know, send a reminder email. I'm so excited we get to connect on this new project on Tuesday at 9 p.m. 9 a.m. Thank you for your time. Those little things, while you may feel like you're doing more work, would it feel as good to not do the work and then be mad about it? Like if you're, if you're seeking that justification of I get to be mad because you failed me, then there's an issue deeper here than you communicating with your partner. Then that's an issue within yourself of setting people up to fail you so that you can feel like people fail you. That's a whole other podcast episode. I've got book recommendations for you, all the things, but that's not what we're talking about. So have some accountability Set up a time to revisit the topic, whether it's finances, communication, date night, parenting stuff, um, issues with friends, things like that. 
invest in these relationships you have by taking these steps. But the accountability is there to also open the door again. Having that accountability saying, oh, we're going to meet again in a month. If you think about it, that's rescheduling that first conversation saying, hey, we're both going to talk about this again in a month. So we'll both be mentally prepared to talk about it and bring what we've learned over this last month, last month together and move forward together. So it's kind of a circle effect. Okay, this last one, someone told me about this a few weeks ago, and then I did the, some research on it. And it's the 73855 rule. And if you've heard about it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it was a study done by Professor Albert Morabian. I don't know how to say that name. I apologize for butchering it. And essentially, the results of this study is actually a combination of two studies. Um, But the results of these studies determined that communication is 7% the words you say or the meaning of the words. 38% the tone of your voice, and 55% facial expression. Let that sink in for a second. Only 7% of what's actually communicated is the words that you say. 7%. 38% is your tone of voice, which you have control over. And 55% 55%, more than half of it, is your facial expression when communicating these things. So you've heard that age-old adage, oh, it's not what you say, it's how you said it. Is true. It is statistically true. So think about it this way, too. If, you, if you've ever been with a dog, and so dogs, obviously, they can train words, they can learn words, but they don't speak words, right? So you can look at a dog with a bad tone of voice and an angry face and say, oh, you're such a good dog. Or you can look at a dog and say, oh, you're such a dumb dog. And if you say it in this high, happy tone of voice with your smiling face, watch which one they get excited about. It's the one with the high tone of voice and the smiling face. They think you're praising them. And as much as I'm not really comparing us to dogs, it's a good example. (laughs) But think about this when you're talking. We like struggle with this a lot in parenting. Any, anybody struggles with this. You, you grow up thinking, oh, your words are so important. Choose your words wisely, which is true. Because once you say something, you can't take it back. You can apologize. You can learn. You can grow. But you will have always said it. So your words are important. It is important to choose those words. But if you want to communicate clearly, not only do you need to take the time to choose those words, but get yourself in a space to communicate with your body and your tone, what you're actually trying to say. If you're trying to be supportive to your kids, but you're grumpy from work, they're not going to feel the support just because you say, good job. If I say good job like that, I feel like you're talking down to me because your tone of voice was more important than what you said. Your tone of voice was heard more succinctly in my body and in my mind than what you said. I'm going to I'm going to link to this um, information page that I found about this study because it's fascinating to read. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I want you to take that throughout the day. If you're having struggles communicating with a team member at work, if you are having a hard time with your friend, maybe you guys are texting 
over an issue. Keep in mind, if you're texting, they cannot hear your tone of voice. They cannot see your facial expression. So those things are assumed. They are assuming how you are saying that. And when only 7% of your words matter, are you really having the same conversation? Are you really saying what you're trying to say? Probably not. I just want you to think about this throughout this week. When you have any conversation, even if it's a little thing like, good morning, saying good morning in the morning. If you're just like, good morning. Or try, try for the next week saying, oh my God, good morning. Good morning. And smile. I want, I want you to just try it and see what a difference it might make in your relationships. Because this changed a lot for me. It changed a lot for my wife and I, the kids even, especially teenagers in puberty. <laughs> is a whole thing. We're learning about tone and a lot about facial expression and rolling our eyes in the back of our heads to the point where it hurts. Anyways, that is beside the point. But as a quick recap for today, communicating is such a key factor in setting boundaries because if you cannot properly communicate what you want to say, then are you really setting a healthy boundary? Probably not because you're not being heard. Maybe they're not understanding why this boundary is being set or what's in place or they're reacting to your facial expression and your tone of voice instead of your words because we're not aware of those things. So as you go through your week this week, remember to schedule big communications. Make sure the other person's ready to receive when you're ready to give. Make sure that you are understanding what the other person is saying. Make sure you are comprehending it and that you are on the same page by repeating back to them what you heard and not taking offense to it, but getting to the bottom of what they meant to say and what you truly understood. Make sure you follow up with them so that you're reiterating these new things. Especially the older we get, we get more and more set in our ways because things become habitual. So when we're trying to change or alter or elevate or grow our communication, we have to do it over and over again. We have to unlearn those negative habits that we have to create better ones. So following up, Hold yourself accountable, hold them accountable, have an accountability meeting after you guys set this new goal of communication, after you use these communication tools to alter or grow this relationship in some way, check back in. Remember that, that brings that circle all the way back to the beginning of we're both ready to communicate. Set your partner up for success. Set the other person in this relationship up for success. Don't sit back and wait for them to fail because that fail is just as much on you as it is on them if that's what you're doing. And lastly, just remember what you say versus how you say it. This study says that 7% of communication is your words. 38% of your communication is your tone of voice. And 55% is your facial expression. So think about that when you are trying to communicate something to someone. If you're trying to be positive about a situation, use your tone of voice. Use your facial expression to, dis- to express what you're actually trying to say. It's going to improve for you and for the person receiving it. So thank you again for listening this week. I hope that this episode can help you as much as these things have helped me. I got so much feedback from our last episode. So thank you all for your messages, your text messages, sharing it with people that you know. It has been so incredibly 
powerful to see the response and to see it shared and have people say, oh my God, I used, I used your technique in my conversation and man, it went better. I used radical acceptance when I was having a hard time and man, it was so much easier. Thank you guys. That's, that's truly why I do this. I'm, I'm do saying these things to help people. So again, you can watch these videos on YouTube if you prefer uh, videos. Please subscribe to the show on whatever you listen to podcasts on, subscribe on YouTube. It helps me make more. It helps me grow, reach more people. Thank you all for listening because we have been heard in over 25 countries on this podcast. So that's a big deal for me. And I just really appreciate you folks taking the time to listen, to subscribe, to follow, to share the episodes. It just makes a huge impact. I love you all. I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for tuning into another episode of Bold Boundaries. As always, my goal is for you to find help or hope in these episodes. So if you did and you're loving the show, would you do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and just give us a nice rating? It helps me produce more. It helps me reach more and just really supports the show. And I'd appreciate it. And if not, that's totally fine. Don't worry about it. But I would like to hear from you. So if you want to connect with me outside of the podcast, you can find me on Instagram. I love to engage with you guys on there. My handle is at Unlearning University. That's where I show up the most on social and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you get notifications whenever I release a new episode and I hope to see you guys soon. And don't forget this podcast is a Blue Seal Media production in partnership with Unlearning University.